Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Hey, this is great, man. Now, here's your host, Radical Russ Belleville. Good day, tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Wednesday, September 14, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Welcome to the show. We've got a great set of segments for you over the next two hours because if you were listening to yesterday's show, uh, we were talking about a little bit about stoners against legalization, uh, and I lamented the uh, missing stoner against legalization from 2010, and that would be a woman by the name of Dragonfly De La Luz, a uh, free re- freelance cannabis strain reviewer who uh, popped up in the Prop 19 debate uh, pretty prominently. Well, no sooner had I said that and gotten off the air yesterday that I was referred to a post by said Dragonfly De La Luz, who is uh, now headed, heading up a new blog out there that is uh, supposed is called Progressive. Why progressives are voting against Prop sixty four? Why progressives are not supporting marijuana legalization in California is what it should be called, uh, or why she thinks they shouldn't. And uh, my goodness, folks, this is going to be this is a treasure trove. A treasure trove of stoners against legalization, reefer madness, scaremongering, propaganda, obfuscation. Ah, I'm going to be tearing this stuff apart for the next couple of weeks. But uh, on today's show, we're going to talk specifically in the radical rant about uh, how she has shamefully misquoted a friend of mine, Vivian McPeak, the founder of the Seattle Hemp Fest. We'll tell you what she did, how she did it, and uh, how she reacted to it. It's pretty shameful. We'll get to that in the Radical Rant. Coming up in the interview segment at half past, we are continuing our look at the 2016 marijuana election votes. And joining us today, Bobby Tuna. Robert Platshorn will be joining us. He's uh, coming to us from West Palm Beach, Florida. He's a good friend, a longtime supporter of marijuana legalization efforts. You may remember him from the uh, the book uh, Black Tuna Diaries and the movie Square Grouper. He is one of America's longest serving nonviolent marijuana uh, prisoners. He did 29 years in prison. We'll talk to him about what's going on with Florida's question two, their uh, medical marijuana amendment. And uh, how he, the Silver Tour, and others uh, banded together to protest the Publix grocery chain in Florida. We'll tell you why when we get to that segment. That's at half past. Also on the show today in drug war data mining, uh, Lee Fong out there at the Intercept has another great expose. Uh, he uh, pointed out how the filings for Insys Therapeutics showed that the drug manufacturer was afraid marijuana legalization would hurt its bottom line. He's expanded that look in a new article where he takes a look at how big booze is contributing to the fight against legalizing marijuana. So we'll come to that in drug war data mining. Also on the show, we will do a behind the headlines segment, taking a look at the world of finance, where I found a financial investment advisor uh, that is telling his uh, high net worth investors to jump into marijuana and to abandon alcohol. 
So we'll tell you why and what that all about in Behind the Headlines. That comes right after the Cannabis Radio News. And in the news today, a couple stories out of Canada, one on prescription heroin and another one on marijuana banking. We've got uh, good news out of Michigan on uh, fixing some of the problems with their medical marijuana program. We've got a longtime uh, normal supporter and uh, medical marijuana doctor pushing for medical marijuana use in a California hospital. We've got another Florida city that is decriminalized with a special tie to the marijuana industry. We've got farmers in Maine going for certified organic cannabis. That's coming up in hour one. In hour two, Toker Talk Radio, our phone lines will be open at 650-LEGAL-MJ, and we'll do more Stoners Against Legalization debunking. See you in two minutes. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted, available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town, maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. All you have to do is decriminalize. We don't need a government regulation to tell us this is good pot, that's bad pot. We don't need any of that. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, September 14th, 2016. Ottawa, Canada. The Washington Post reports that the Canadian government has approved a plan to allow doctors to prescribe heroin to patients with serious addiction that is unresponsive to other treatments. Any physician in Canada can now apply to Health Canada's special access program for dicetylmorphine, the name for pharmaceutical-grade heroin. 
Vancouver, British Columbia is home to Crosstown Clinic, North America's only supervised injection site providing clean needles and heroin maintenance for addicted people. Officials at Crosstown can now expand their program under the new law. Crosstown is currently serving morphine to 52 patients under a special court order. Experts expect that number to at least double if the supply of morphine needed is available. The Conservative Party's spokesperson for health policy, Colin Carey, states that the party opposes the measure, adding, quote, Our policy is to take heroin out of the hands of addicts and not put it into their arms, end quote. Toronto, Canada. Two of Canada's largest banks have announced they will no longer offer services to businesses in the cannabis industry. Despite the Canadian government moving toward nationwide legalization, Scotiabank and Royal Bank of Canada are refusing new accounts and cancelling existing ones held by companies that produce or distribute marijuana. In Scotiabank's case, they even cancelled the account for a company that only works in marijuana paraphernalia. A spokesperson for the bank said canceling marijuana accounts was, quote, a reassessment of our risk management practices, end quote. Lansing, Michigan. The trio of bills approved by the Michigan Senate to legalize medical marijuana dispensaries and edible marijuana products, among other things, are now awaiting the governor's expected signature. The Michigan House passed a reconciliation of their bills with the Senate versions on Wednesday. Governor Rick Snyder's spokesperson said that, quote, overall, he is supportive of the policies, end quote. Marin, California. A physician who is a long-term advocate of medical cannabis use is asking Marin General Hospital to become the first in the nation to allow it in the hospital. Dr. Larry Bedard filed the motion with the Marin Healthcare District, the San Jose Mercury News reports. If Dr. Bedard's motion passes, the hospital staff would begin the investigation on how to implement medical cannabis use in the facility. Dr. Bedard is a supporter of California's Prop 64 and authored one of the voting guide rebuttals to arguments against legalization. He served on the California Medical Association Task Force on Marijuana that endorsed Prop 64 as well. Skeptics of the plan point out that Marin General must interface with the federal government over Medicare and that the feds may retaliate against a hospital allowing a Schedule 1 drug. Dr. Bedard counters that the current spending bill prevents federal interference in state medical marijuana matters and that will preempt any retaliation. Port Ritchie, Florida. The headquarters of Magical Butter, a company that sells a machine that extracts oils from cannabis and other plants, is in the latest Florida city to decriminalize personal possession of marijuana. Port Ritchie City Council passed an ordinance Tuesday night making the possession of less than 21 grams of marijuana a city infraction, punishable only by a $155 fine. Garen Angel, CEO of Magical Butter, personally lobbied the council. Under Florida state law, such possession is a misdemeanor subject to a year in jail and a $1,000 fine, and amounts over 20 grams are felony crimes with five years in prison, a $5,000 fine, and like all felonies in Florida, a lifetime loss of voting rights. Port Ritchie joins Orlando, Tampa, West Palm Beach, Key West, Miami Beach, and five other cities and counties in decriminalizing small amounts of pot. Portland, Maine. Farmers in Maine have proposed a standard for certifying organic cannabis that could be the first such certification on the East Coast. The Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association calls it the Certified Clean Cannabis Program. The year-long test phase currently includes five medical cannabis growers. The program will evaluate cannabis crops based on national organic standards set for food products. The Clean Certified Cannabis Designation, or C3, cannot legally refer to cannabis as, quote, organic, end quote, as that term is regulated federally by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, a federal agency which cannot recognize marijuana as anything other than an illegal drug. 
Out West, California and Oregon have already a few established groups certifying organic cannabis. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, September 14th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Hey, this is Willie Nelson. For Norman. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORMAL. The Russ Belleville Show reminds you to never smoke and drive impaired. Hang out for a while and share. Marijuana legalization is a worldwide phenomenon. Get yourself positioned for the global cannabis marketplace by attending the International Cannabis Business Conference in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You'll learn from established cannabis professionals, elected officials, and internationally recognized marijuana law reform activists. You'll also enjoy the ICBC's famous VIP party featuring ICBC special guest speaker and Canadian native Tommy Chong. The ICBC is happening in Vancouver on Thursday and Friday, October 13th and 14th at the Hyatt Regency. Log on to internationalcbc.com today to reserve your tickets. That's internationalcbc.com and bookmark our page for the next ICBCs taking place in Berlin, Germany and San Francisco, California. Don't miss the International Cannabis Business Conference, internationalcbc.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Focus, we take a look at the world of finance and a website called valuewalk.com. Reporting on this is a fellow by the name of Mark Mellon. And uh, he's pointing to a report that came out just a couple days ago from Cowan and Company. I don't know who Cowan and Company are. But a report that uh, takes a look at sin industries, uh, the the sin industries of alcohol, tobacco, and marijuana. And the title of this article is Ultimate Sin Trade, Buy Big Cannabis with Nine Times Growth, 9x Growth, in the Next 10 Years, Sell Big Alcohol. Buy Big Cannabis, Sell Big Alcohol. So this is... uh, Interesting as as the financial world and the investment world starts to recognize what's going on in the burgeoning 
green rush that's that's happening all across this country. Uh, the report says as the general public begins to understand nuance between the risks of marijuana usage, making distinctions between hard drug addiction, the attitudes and policies are shifting to a consensus opinion that pro- points to growth. And the cannabis field, as they point out and was uh, we, was raised in another report, is poised to be a $50 billion industry by 2026. So the investors are looking and they're looking hard at what's going on here in cannabis. The Cowan report again said 50 billion by 2026 there. That's assuming under the Cowan report, assuming that the feds legalize and they believe that the non-therapeutic cannabis industry can grow at 24% over the next 10 years. The report is called the cannabis compendium cross sector views on a budding industry End quote, ha ha, pardon the pun. Now, They note that the societal perception about cannabis health risks has fallen notably and that, quote, cannabis is generally considered less risky than alcohol, end quote. So they're pointing out that there's this great rise, this great explosion of growth with what's happening in the cannabis industry. And they point out something that uh, we've been examining in our uh, community for years as we've been trying to predict what would happen once marijuana was legalized. They say, quote, initially, the industry will benefit smaller independent players, but ultimately big corporations will dominate. Uh, Yeah, that's the they say the the initial market growth will be driven by entrepreneurs. And we've pointed out how since uh, federal schedule one still exists for cannabis, uh, it has to be pretty much contained within the state. So you get state by state different companies getting set up and and building their empires rather than one big mega conglomerate swooping in and buying it all up. But they do forecast that eventually when that federal schedule one designation falls by the wayside and the big players can get involved, that they will start to be uh, uh, investing in and buying out a lot of these companies. Now, the other point that they make in this uh, uh, report is that as the cannabis use increases, consumption of alcohol, specifically beer, drops precipitously. This presents a clear and present danger for the likes of industry Goliath Anheuser-Busch Imbev. And uh, we'll talk in the next uh, segment uh, about just how the alcohol industry has been fighting against marijuana legalization. But this is becoming clearer and clearer to the investors that if they've got their money parked in alcohol conglomerates like Imbev, that it may be time to start looking at the cannabis industry as a place to put their money for, like they said, nine times growth over the next 10 years. As more of these uh, states legalize, in fact, as we pass legalization in California, uh, I, I think that's when we really start to see the flood of money. With Prop 64, they have a moratorium on what are called the mega grows, unlimited size grows. So up until 2021, I believe it is, they will have uh, smaller scale grows up to an acre, I believe it is, or 22,000 square feet indoors. Once 2021 comes around, though, and the big companies can get involved and create massive marijuana farms, they are going to. It's going to happen. And we shouldn't expect that uh, marijuana is going to be Uh, unlike any other consumer commodity 
uh, when it can be uh, produced at scale for far lower production costs, uh, it's going to happen. But just like the alcohol world, I think we'll still have plenty of our own craft cannabis uh, available from boutique growers and people, the demand from people who want the good stuff. What is your major malfunction, numbnuts? <laughs> oh, the list is so long. Where do I start? Happy 420 to all my friends and family in the great state of Idaho, surrounded on all sides by liberalizing marijuana laws. But Idaho's sticking to its guns. My God, they're not going to legalize marijuana for any purpose whatsoever. Ever. Got to take a break. We're back with big alcohol versus legalizing marijuana. Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer Dr. Dina shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the data mining, we take a look at a piece at TheIntercept.com, written by Lee Fong, and the title is Alcohol Industry Bankrolls Fight Against Legal Pot in Battle of the Buzz. And this is something we've all uh, talked about in the past, how 
the big alcohol companies don't want to see marijuana legalized. I mean, we've theorized about this, that they don't want to see marijuana legalized because if marijuana were legal, fewer people would drink beer and that would hurt their profits. Well, we have proof of this now. We, uh, we've had it before. We've got more of it now. And uh, Lee at The Intercept has done a great job of uh, corralling all this data for us, pointing out the, the latest donation uh, coming from the state of Massachusetts, where the beer distributors pack gave $25,000 to the campaign for a safe and healthy Massachusetts. That's the people fighting against marijuana legalization in Massachusetts. Uh, that puts them in third place. That's the third greatest donation they got was from Big Alcohol, the beer distributors pack. 16 different beer distributing companies in Massachusetts. The president didn't respond for a comment, but uh, what, what's, what, what's he going to say? <laughs> the uh, same thing is going on in Arizona. The Arizona Wine and Spirits Wholesale Association donated $10,000 to the legalization opposition group. Back in 2010, when we had Prop 19, the uh, alcoholic beverage distribution groups were providing money to cops to try to defeat legalization through a propaganda tour. Now, what we find, generally speaking, is that uh, the alcohol companies are against it, but there are some that are actually in support of marijuana legalization. They tend to come, though, from the world of the craft brewers. And I find that very interesting that it's the it's the mega brewers. It's the the Anheuser-Busch InBevs of the world. It's these beer distributors that are, you know, trucking, you know, cases of Bud Light and Pabst Blue Ribbon across the country that are worried that marijuana is going to hurt their market share. But the guys that are taking their time to craft really good quality beer at a local level with, with some taste and some kick to it, uh, aren't, aren't really worried about this at all. <laughs> Not even concerned. Interesting, I think. You can also uh, take a look at how these companies are forecasting the future of marijuana legalization against their bottom line through their Security and Exchange Commission filings. These are the uh, reports they have to give to uh, the SEC for investors in their companies. Uh, the parent company of Sam Adams, you know, the Sam Adams Brew, uh, Boston Beer Company, one of the top 10 uh, brewing companies, they told investors that laws that allow the, quote, sale and distribution of marijuana could adversely impact the demand for beer, end quote. Uh, Brown Foreman, they make Jack Daniels, uh, warned that, quote, consumer preferences and purchases may shift due to a host of factors many of which are difficult to predict, including the potential legalization of marijuana use on a more widespread basis within the United States and changes in travel, leisure, dining, gifting, entertaining, and beverage consumption trends, end quote. More widespread marijuana legalization might lead to fewer people drinking Jack Daniels. Now, this is not something that's entirely clear this hypothesis that more marijuana leads to less alcohol. Not entirely clear. Uh, people that have studied this, public policy profs and, and analysts, have long time theorized that if we've got a choice, we will substitute marijuana for alcohol. But since marijuana was never legal, these were all just theories. 
Colorado legalized marijuana. And when you take a look at the tax revenue that Colorado is getting from alcohol, it hasn't changed hardly after marijuana got legalized. The state's still bringing in about the same amount of alcohol taxes, which suggests that there's still the same amount of drinking going on. I mean, I suppose it's possible there's fewer drinkers and they're all drinking more, but probably not. I would, I would hypothesize that the pot smokers in California have always been the, or Colorado have always been the pot smokers in Colorado and the drinkers in Colorado have always been the drinkers in Colorado and legalization didn't change that dynamic much. It could be different state to state. You go to some dry state like a, a Missouri or something and legalize cannabis, you might see a shift. But I think in Colorado, uh, the access was pretty much there for the for the the vast majority of the heavy consumers that make up the majority of the purchases, both in alcohol and, and cannabis. So uh, maybe that's why we don't have much difference. The uh, the CEO of that uh, company that makes Jack Daniels, his name's Paul Varga. Uh, in August of 2014, he said that legalization was possibly a big threat. But uh, four months later, in October, uh, he said, quote, I wouldn't say I'm losing sleep over the legalization of marijuana, but I'm paying attention to it, end quote. Again, this is a Lee Fang's piece up there on theintercept.com, and uh, great information and links in there if you want to check out more about this particular issue. But uh, yeah, it's clear, and, and this even goes back to Partnership for a Drug-Free America, and all the way back to the 1980s when some of the first anti-drug groups that were founded uh, by donations from the uh, alcohol industry. It's not a war on drugs, folks. It's a war between drugs. You tell me this country has a drug-free attitude, I'll show you any commercial on any nightly news for any number of pills or alcohol. No, it's not a war on drugs. It's a war between drugs. And the ones with the market share right now don't want to give any of that up to a plant you can grow in your backyard. Fortunately, we have votes and initiatives, and we can change that. Make sure you're registered. Make sure you vote. We're back with Bobby Tuna from Florida right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. <sighs> cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase, and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. Pay quick, the safe and easy way to pay. P A Y Q W I C K dot com. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Gmail, 
Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, SoundCloud, Snapchat, LinkedIn, and Boise State University's 2400 baud modem bulletin board system from 1985. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. You're listening to Cannabis Radio News' exclusive coverage of Vote 2016, The Path to Cannabis Freedom, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. It's uh, 32 after the hour, and uh, we are continuing our preview of the various initiatives that are taking place all across the country. Today, we make our way down to the great sunshine state of Florida and visit with an old friend of the show. We got Robert Platshorn on the line, Bobby Tuna himself. Robert, welcome back to the show. Man, I haven't seen you in way too long. How you doing, Ross? I'm doing fantastic, and uh, I'm hoping you are doing well as well. We are really excited about uh, Florida's medical marijuana amendment. The latest polls that we've seen have shown overwhelming support uh, among every demographic. Uh, give us your take on what's happening down there as far as, you know, eight weeks before the election and how people are reacting. Well, we're all confident that it's going to course, we were confident in 2014 when we were polling at about 67, 68% at this point. And then, uh, of course, Adelson's $5 million came in and we were blitzed on television with, with reefer madness and we lost. We're not likely to lose this time. It's a presidential election. We'll have a much better turnout. In midterm elections, the only people who turn out are seniors and, and Latinos uh, because they value their vote. I'm still a little worried. Uh, so far, very little positive advertising has popped up anywhere. And Adelson again says he's putting in $5 million. We have uh, the woman whose family founded Publix. She put in close to a million eight hundred thousand, uh, and there's other money coming in on the negative side. So it's still a little worrying. And when I met with uh, Ben Polara, who runs Morgan's campaign, yeah, and Morgan put up a lot of money to get it on the ballot in 2014, and then spent no money trying to counter the no on two. It could have been passed last time had our side been visible and we weren't. So I was really concerned about this time and, and I still am because he put up the money, got it on the ballot again. And then when I met with Ben Pilar about six or seven weeks ago, uh, I, I said to him, look, uh, I can get a lot of media time really inexpensively because we're a 501c3, a nonprofit, and we buy at educational rates 
Morgan's going to have to pay political rates, which are like four to ten times as high uh, for broadcast media, radio and TV. I said, why don't you put part of your budget into the Silver Tour, and I can cover this whole state saturated on radio for about $150,000. It's really not a lot to cover this state, all 14 radio markets. And uh, I got a pretty qualified no, like I did last time when I went to them and asked them to support the campaign uh, that might have gotten us passed last time. But he said, look, Morgan plans to spend a lot of money on television uh, and radio. And he assured me. And then he said something that really kind of made me wonder again. He said, but it may not be necessary. Hmm. And and that tells me uh, they're going to hold back what they can. So... So that's worrisome. I hope I'm wrong. So basically coasting on the fact that the polls are around 70% right now, they think they don't really need to make the effort. Yeah, the polls are better than that. The polls are around 77%. Wow. Um, and and that's like maybe 8 or 10 better than last time. Mm-hmm. We know we're going to have a much, much bigger voter turnout. You know, last time his attitude was, well, if the word marijuana is in there, the kids are all going to turn up and vote for it. Huh. Of course, the kids don't vote in midterm elections. And somebody who's supposed to be politically savvy is supposed to know that. Yeah. I mean, you and I learned back in 2010 when we were both begging people to support Prop 19 in California that when it was over and, and we had lost by six points, which was a huge setback. It set the whole legalization movement back four, five, six years, maybe more. And it emboldened the opposition. But the reason we lost in California, I looked at the exit polls, and it was the senior vote. Um, nobody in California really bothered talking to seniors. In fact, they weren't talking to much of anybody. Because they figured legalization was a natural out there. Yeah. Well, it wasn't, wasn't as natural as we thought it was. And that's what inspired me to start the Silver Tour when I saw that nobody was talking to seniors. And, you know, I knew it wouldn't be that hard to get them out of the closet. But yeah. that's my generation. Well, you've been vindicated on on the senior issue as well in the uh, latest federal surveys that show, you know, people over the age of 50 are the fastest growing demographic of cannabis consumers now that we've embarked on some legalization. And, uh, you know, I've like I said, I think you've been vindicated in that the seniors have access to cannabis and know what it can do for them. They're going to flock to it. The difference has been amazing since we put on that first Silver Tour show and and then we got on the front page of the Wall Street Journal and CNN did a special and then we were on, you know, John Stewart's Daily Show. We've had tremendous great publicity and it's made seniors comfortable with the subject where they weren't before. And I knew in the beginning that for the most part, it was a matter of getting them out of the closet because five years ago, Seniors would not join the discussion. They just, you know, that doesn't interest us. We're not into pot. 
And in the beginning, I live in a state that's got hundreds and hundreds of over 55 communities, senior communities. And in the beginning, I couldn't book a free silver tour show where I was going to give them a free meal, you know, bring a doctor, bring patients, put on a heck of a show in uh, the rec room and uh, couldn't get in. Now they call me and say, oh, you know, our people would love a silver tour show. <laughs> but we, it's made a big difference. And, of course, we had the TV show on for a year over about half the country, should Grandma smoke pot. <clears throat> Seniors have an entire – I did a show uh, a week ago Sunday at a uh, an over-55 community in Boynton Beach. Nice – big community. Uh, this was the men's club, their monthly breakfast. I had to be there by like eight o'clock. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> actually I always start working about six, six, 15 and by eight, I go out and play tennis. In any case, 250 men showed up. This is a men's club in a nice private development. 250 men show up. And they couldn't wait to whisper in my ear, oh, I got some great smoke. <laughs> yeah, never gave it up. Or, hey, you know where I can get some seeds? Oh, I want to grow a few more plants. This <laughs> never happened four or five years ago. Occasionally, yeah. someone would come up and give you a little wink, like, yeah, you know, I, I smoke. But their next-door neighbor wouldn't know. Now... They're smoking with their next door neighbor. Yeah. And you're damn right. I'm going to take a lot of credit for that because nobody else reached out to these people I'm so and it wasn't difficult. Yeah. The hardest part was raising a few bucks to get it done. And that's still the hardest part. And, and it worries me uh, about what's going on with amendment two. I wanted to run a really heavy radio campaign for the last two months running up to the election. And I couldn't raise anywhere near enough money. Mm. It's it's like uh, hollering down into an empty hole. Nothing yeah. nothing comes back. Not even not even an echo. It's you know when I did the uh, the public's protest. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. How'd that go? Well, it went really well. The disappointing part was I never raised enough money to cover the cost of of the signs the expenses but uh we did five stores in south florida and we had uh people in orlando and, and uh tallahassee and, and jacksonville uh you know asked me to send them up signs and they do it on their own we had people in uh georgia mississippi and north carolina who also picketed uh, in sympathy. And I'm, you know, I'm a pragmatist. Uh, anything I've done has, has had a measurable result. Uh, so my goal was to reach the people that actually run Publix. You know, the woman who made the donation, her family founded Publix, but she made it on her own. Uh, it wasn't on behalf of Publix. But somebody had to reach up to the people at top publics 
and let them know that there are millions of people who get their prescriptions in Publix and they don't appreciate a negative attitude toward medical marijuana. And I, I wanted them to put out a statement like Walgreens did. Remember a couple yeah. of months ago, Walgreens put out just a nice statement acknowledging that, that it's a real medicine and that it has a lot of promise. <clears throat> and coming from a company like Walgreens, which has always been a, a big supporter of Drug Free America Foundation, uh, that, that was a good thing. I thought it was a major, major uh, good move. And when we got to these public stores, in every case, there were like six cop cars there. Uh, and the manager was just out, had people out scouting for us. But it wasn't what it looked like. The police did not bother us. If anything, they were a help. They told us, you know, where we could pick uh, it and where we couldn't. And they were very reasonable about it. Uh, they pointed out shady spots so we could get out of the Florida sun. Oh, that's nice. And when the managers came out, you knew immediately that they had all been spoken to uh, by the central office because they all came out and did the same thing. They were nice. They introduced themselves. And they said, look, uh, don't let your people uh, walk out in that hot sun for too long. You know, get them into the shade. And if you need any, uh, if they need to hydrate, uh, don't hesitate to call me or send them into the store. Uh, I was really proud of the way the whole thing came off. Well, what? Everybody got along with everybody. Uh, we made a point. It was acknowledged by the home office. Uh, I'm still waiting to see if they'll do uh, an announcement like Walgreens. But in the meantime, they've made it clear the, that her policy is not their policy. Well, that's good news, and it sounds like a successful protest. Robert Platshorn is with The Silver Tour. Check him out at thesilvertour.org and follow him at Bobby Tuna on Twitter. It's all the time we got, Bobby, but I'll call you back again soon, I, I promise. I'm here for you anytime, all the time. All right. Have a You're my special guy. Have a great day, my man. You too, Russ. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. From dabs to chivas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. It's time to Hemp Resent. With Inadina Stanger, 
I say to you with all the fervor of my soul that God intended men to be free. Rebellion against tyranny is a righteous cause. And I believe that with every ounce of my soul, we are fighting a righteous cause because people need nature. Marijuana! Hemp presents only on Cannabis Radio. Sweet sativa. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Okay, maybe you're high, too. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make them. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it. and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant. Today in the rant, we take aim again at the stoners against legalization in California, and more specifically on one particular stoner against legalization known as Dragonfly de la Luz. Now, you may remember that name if you've been following me since the Prop 19 campaign back in 2010, when Stoners Against Legalization first arose, I guess, in, in our consciousness. And just like in 2010 with the Prop 19, they are recklessly and willfully distorting, obfuscating, twisting, outright lying about how Prop 64 legalization will work in California. But this latest post by Dragonfly De La Luz, uh, it sets a new low. Now, yesterday I was, uh, I was talking about how uh, I was wondering where she disappeared to. Didn't seem to hear from her much uh, from 2012, 2014. It seemed to pop up, you know, on my radar at least, when uh, there's marijuana legalization to be voted on. So I got this uh, message forwarded to me by uh, some friends, this post forwarded to me, and more specifically, the scandal uh, involved in this. Uh, what's happened is Dragonfly has set up a Blogspot blog, and it hasn't even gotten a uh, domain name for it. It's still on the blogspot.com. I'm not going to give you the link or the web address because um, I don't want to give her any traffic. But uh, this uh, Blogspot that she's got is called... Progressives Against the Prop 64 Adult Use Marijuana Act. Okay, so her aim here, her, her goal, she's kind of taking this attack that uh, liberals, people that support legalization and, and reform and justice and racial justice, should be voting against marijuana legalization. And 
context is important as well, or the messenger is important, I should say, uh, because Dragonflate Italy Lose is younger. Uh, I wouldn't guess her age, but I guess she's younger than I am. And female, obviously, and African-American. So when she's making some of these points about racial justice and how it affects young people, some people may take the messenger and assume that, hey, she's on our side. So I was really offended when I got wind of what she had posted on this blog spot called Progressives Against the Prop 64 Adult Use Marijuana Act. The post was entitled Why California Progressives Are Voting No on Prop 64, and it opens with a quote. And the quote goes, I thought for decades that legalization meant that we would all keep doing what we were doing without fear of arrest or prosecution. I failed to grasp that the powers that be would see it as just another angle from which to gain control and hand opportunity to the wealthiest, most ruthless, and most connected, end quote. Signed, Vivian McPeak, Executive Director, Seattle Hemp Fest. And that's the opening quote. And then the rest of the post, which is miles long, goes on to outline all these reasons why California progressives should vote against Prop 64. The problem here is that Dragonfly took a quote from Vivian McPeak that had nothing to do with Prop 64. These were established, these were uh, put together from his Facebook posts in discussions referencing Washington's I-502. And as we've discussed on this show, of the four states that have legalized marijuana, Washington has done the worst job. So Vivian McPeak's quotes about how legalization has affected Washington state are not applicable to what's going on in California. And furthermore, furthermore, Vivian hasn't established a public position on Prop 64. So she's taking this quote out of context to try to make to try to fool People that would look up to someone like Vivian McPeak as a, as a longtime established progressive leader in the cannabis reform movement. And by implication, made it seem as if he was saying Prop 64 was a bad idea. Now, when another stoner against legalization named Steve Cubby shared Dragonfly's post out on Facebook, that's when it caught Vivian's attention. And he made it quite clear in a reply that he wasn't too happy about it. This is Vivian's reply on Steve Cubby's uh, Facebook wall that says, quote, The article is taking select posts that I have made on Facebook that had no reference to Alma at all and is ascribing my comments out of context to the Alma proposition. I never gave permission for my words to be used in this fashion, in this piece, or by these authors. I was not referring to Alma, Prop 64, when made the statements included in this article or whatever it is. Nobody has ever contacted me and asked me what my position or opinions are about Prop 64. I have never publicly stated that I was for or against Prop 64. Now, when I was first alerted to this last night, I surfed over to Dragonfly's blog out there, and the quote of Vivian's was exactly as I gave it to you, right? But since then, she's edited the page so that the quote includes a hyperlink and includes the modifier on the aftermath of Washington's recreational initiative following Vivian's title. 
So she got called out for taking the guy out of context, for using a quote that implied he was against Prop 64. And her answer to clean it up was not to take the quote off the page, but to keep the quote on the page and then indicate that it refers to Washington. If it refers to Washington, what's the point of keeping the quote on the page? And here's the other weird thing. The hyperlink that she gave on the quote doesn't go to the source of Vivian's quote. You know, like you'd normally do on the internet when you're quoting someone, you hyperlink to where the source was of that quote. No, no, this hyperlink goes to a Seattle Post-Intelligencer op-ed article that Vivian wrote back in May entitled, Washington, the worst legal cannabis model, don't copy us. Now in that piece, Vivian laments Washington State's lack of personal home cannabis growing rights and notes how all the other legal states have the right to home grow cannabis. He observes that Washington makes it a felony for adults to share cannabis and notes how all the other legal states allow adult sharing. He criticizes the Washington legislature for the reductions in patient supply and access that arose from merging the medical and recreational systems. And Vivian goes on to indict Washington's five nanogram per same marijuana DUID limit as an unscientific standard that can merit a DUID conviction with, quote, no sign at all of impairment, end quote. So that's within the body of this piece that she's linking to pointing out four things that are wrong with Washington state's legalization that other states shouldn't copy. And at the opening of the piece, Vivian says, quote, I am hoping that none of these states, California was listed, will look to my home state as a model because I think we have done the worst job of the four states that have decriminalized cannabis so far, end quote. And in his closing, Vivian advises, quote, if you live in a state that is not legalized, you need to start your own citizens initiative if you can, end quote. So California did and got Prop 64 on the ballot. Under Prop 64, unlike Washington, Californians will be able to grow cannabis plants at home. Under Prop 64, unlike Washington, Californians will be able to share cannabis between adults. Under Prop 64, unlike Washington, California has already established statewide medical marijuana regulations and Prop 64 in three different sections states that the medical marijuana laws are not to be affected by the initiative. And under Prop 64, unlike Washington, Californians will not be subject to an unscientific per se DUID standard. So, in the paragraph that you included, out of context, from Vivian McPeak, supposedly criticizing Prop 64 when he was criticizing Washington, you link to a piece where he tells California not to follow Washington, and they did not. For you to link to that column in response to getting called out (laughs) is amusingly ironic. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to have so much fun with this, people. It's like a whole... It's like the... Golden Corral Buffet of Reefer Madness, batshit crazy, tinfoil ass hattery bullshit. And we're going to tackle some more of it here coming up in hour two. Plus, we'll take your calls at 650-LEGAL-MJ. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. 
Thanks for sticking around for Hour 1. Hour 2 is next. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Where you can tope. I inhale. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about tope on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard. Have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man and Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and and the the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. It's Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio, coming to you live from the Ardea Condominium Towers on the south waterfront of the Willamette River in beautiful legal potland, Oregon. I'm your host, Radical Russ. Glad to have you here. Our phone lines are open at 9... Oh, nope, nope, nope. Almost did it. I caught myself. We got a new phone. We got a new phone line. It's not the one that he says in the intro. I got to get the intro fixed. I got to get a new intro recorded because we have a new phone number. It's 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's 650-534-2565. If you've got questions, comments, concerns, criticisms, Anything, topics you want to discuss, uh, I'm here for you, and uh, I'll give you the mic. The phone number, 650-LEGAL-MJ. Thanks for joining us. We got so much Stoners Against Legalization to cover. O-M-G. I'm actually kind of giddy. I'm kind of thankful for people like Dragonfly De La Luz in in an odd sense because it gives gives me so much to work with. And I, and I have people sometimes that criticize me on this. They're like, Russ, why do you give these people any oxygen at all? Why do you pay any attention to them at all? And the reason I do is because I'm fighting for every single vote we can get. I don't want legalization just to win. I want it to win big. I want it to get such big voting results that it makes Kevin Sebet cry. 
I want to just flush his career down the toilet if I could possibly do it. And everybody else that's a prohibition profiteer for that matter. But, but I get criticism because they say, well, you know, these people, you know, they're just a tiny fringe minority. Hardly anybody knows anything about them. But I, I disagree with that. I don't think they're, I mean, I think they are a tiny fringe minority. But I also think there's this, there's a large enough group of cannabis consumers who, flow, who, are, who, who are interconnected in this network that we call the cannabis community, especially online through Facebook friends, through Twitter, through where they go to get their weed at the dispensary, handing out flyers or whatever it might be, conversations at the club, whatever it might be. But there's these network of people, and, and, and most people aren't nerds like I am. Most people aren't you know policy wonks that give a shit about elections and stuff. It's very, very, you know ephemeral to them. It's just not something they're paying a lot of attention to. And I think they can be swayed. In initiative voting, the tendency is when in doubt, vote no. And the only thing you need to do to create that doubt is to generate a little bit of fear, a little bit of confusion, make things seem too complex. And the next thing you know, you got You know, these younger tokers that are paying attention to this kind of stuff, you got them voting against their own best interest. And it happens in such little ways. It's like the the death by a thousand cuts, right? It's it's the little Facebook comment here, a little, you know, picture meme there, a tweet here and there that set into motion and, and set into people's minds these concepts that are that are false concepts. They get passed on like a little game of telephone from one tweeter and one Facebooker to another. And before you know it, among a decent sized group of the cannabis community, you got a whole conspiracy theory that evolves. They're only trying to legalize marijuana to give it to the 1% and let Monsanto control the world. Okay. We'll get into that right after the break, plus taking your calls right here live on Toker Talk Radio. Stay tuned. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. Cannabisradio.com. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, (laughs) more flavor. Previously on the Stoner Jesus Show... Uh, St. Peter auditioning to be the Microsoft weed software uh, spokesman. Hey, this is St. Peter for Microsoft. 
they track weed? Does that mean they're going to like track the weed? Is that what this is about, Jesus? I'm not going to be tracked, Jesus. I'm not going to have my fucking weed tracked, and I'm not going to have fucking Microsoft track me back to my fucking house through my weed to where they fucking spied on people with that goddamn Xbox camera. Fuck this. Fuck Microsoft. Fuck this bullshit. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. Hey, everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. We are diving headlong into the thicket of illogic known as Stoners Against Legalization. And, and it should be clear to people by now that it doesn't really matter what legalization makes the ballot. It doesn't matter. These people would be against it. They see in every initiative, in every coalition, in every nonprofit organization, in every donation that makes its way to legalization, all they see is a big conspiracy theory. Big conspiracy theory where the Monsanto and George Soros and the 1% and the Bilderbergers and the Freemasons and the whoever else, else, the Bilderberger group, let's throw them into, um, where everybody's, it's all a conspiracy, it's, it's too good to be true, all it's going to do is make things worse. And, and I'm going to be posting on this over the next few days, uh, but I did my first post today, it's all at weednews.co, and I was just reading uh, uh, the, uh, the misquote of Vivian McPeak by uh, Dragonfly De La Luz. And so I went to the post and I was just following up on it to find that we got some comments. And it's so, so perfectly Chris. I love it when I make a point about somebody being a, a batshit, crazy tinfoil asshat, you know, conspiracy theorist. And then someone jumps in and does exactly that. Just proves my point. So we got this comment came in from Ruben Hernandez about an hour ago. I'll read it to you word for word. Alma, and by the way, when I say Alma, it's Adult Use of Marijuana Act, A-U-M-A, Alma, which is Prop 64. Okay, so it goes like this, quote, Alma was intentionally written by some clever, some very clever attorneys to create a slush fund under the governor's control. What this means is that none of the revenue from marijuana is going to go to the public schools, community colleges, cities, and counties. It will all go to the new bureaucracy which Alma creates, including salaries, pensions, staff, etc., and to law enforcement, end quote. All right. Well, first of all, um, yes, Prop 64 is written by some attorneys. We're consulted on it, and I'm sure they were very clever. 
But as far as a slush fund, the meaning of which would be, you know, just a, a money that they can appropriate for anything, anytime, anywhere, under the governor's sole discretion, is quite inaccurate. <laughs> and as far as no money going to schools or colleges or the cities or counties, again, quite inaccurate. But I didn't have the time to get into the full-scale debunk of this comic because I just saw it. So let's – and, and I could – I could go pull up, you know, the Adult Use of Marijuana Act and find all of its tax code stuff and how that's controlled and make the case. But you know what? I, I don't really even have to. Let's, let's take Ruben Hernandez's comment at its face. Let's assume he's right. Let's assume that we legalize marijuana and the schools don't get any money. And the colleges don't get any money. The city counties don't get any money. How would that be different than now? How much money from marijuana taxes are the schools and the localities getting now? Yes, that's right. Uh, zero. Zero is the correct answer. So even if Ruben Hernandez is right and the schools and the localities end up getting zero from Prop 64, they're no worse off than they were before now, were they? <laughs> so, and, and, okay, so the tax revenue goes in and uh, allegedly uh, runs a bureaucracy. So? <laughs> you know what? I, I much prefer, much prefer the money being spent by the state of California on some sort of bureaucracy is spending it on some sort of bureaucracy that runs legal marijuana rather than one that imprisons people for it. That was my response to him, basically. I said, yes, yes, Ruben, it's all a huge conspiracy to make the cannabis consumers' lives worse by not fining them for possession, by not imprisoning them for cultivation, by giving them a store to shop for weed in, and by giving them a pot lounge to smoke it in. You know, just like Colorado, Washington, Oregon, and Alaska, where life for marijuana smokers has degenerated into a living hell. <laughs> and that's the other thing, right? When, when Dragonfly and these uh, No on Prop 19 people came out in 2010, you could at least give them the small sliver of credit that marijuana legalization had never happened, and what we were predicting was all just that, predictions. There was no firm evidence as to really what would happen. Well, now we've got four states that have legalized. So these, these doom and gloom, sky-is-falling predictions of what happens when ca cannabis is now a legal commodity that businesses and corporations can be involved in, that, that prediction can be tested against four states that have already done it. I know Colorado's got a lot of money going to their schools. I know Washington's got some money going to their schools. I know Oregon. I know we've all got money going to our schools. Now, Prop 19's written, or Prop 64's written differently than those initiatives, sure, but I do believe it's going to get some money to the schools. But even if it didn't, it's no worse than where we were before. And why do I give two-tenths of a tick's turd where the tax money goes? Now, I'd like it to go to schools. I'd like to go to all sorts of places. 
But you know, lots of my tax money goes places I don't like it. I'd like the federal government to refund me an Iraq war and uh, a few billion in oil subsidies would be nice. So we don't always, you know, get what we want as far as where our tax money goes to. But why would that be a deal breaker for you when right now you're subject to fines and imprisonment? I don't understand this. Well, I do. I do. I can almost guarantee you that this Ruben Hernandez character has a medical marijuana card in California and has been enjoying the dispensaries and the quasi-legality for years now. And he probably figures, why rock the boat? Why change things? Part of this also comes from something that's kind of inherent in the outlaw mentality and the hippie ethos that lies, that is the foundation of our cannabis community. There's a natural distrust of the man and capitalism and Babylon and the 1% that, per, that permeates much of our cannabis culture. So I, I think for some of these folks, they see medical marijuana as being the rebel alliance, as being the grassroots, as being the real cannabis people involved with it. And what they see from marijuana legalization is losing their their little special place in the world. Losing their, their little corner on their cornering of the market of this plant. Knowing that the big players coming in have the money and the talent and the skills and the resources to outperform these people. They've been used to being a big fish in a little pond. They're not so happy about the idea of moving out to the ocean. That's what's underlying a lot of this stoners against legalization stuff. You get these dispensary owners and these medical cannabis business uh, people, finance people, putting all sorts of pressure on their on their staff and the people they know to keep the status quo, to keep their business model afloat. The business model that keeps pot just illegal enough to keep it at $300 an ounce, but makes it just legal enough to not really have to worry about the cops. That's what they want. And, and it's interesting, the quote that uh, Dragonfly used from Vivian McPeak brings that point up, where Vivian says, I had thought that legalization would meant that we keep, we'd get to keep doing what we've been doing and not have to worry about the cops. I think that's part of the problem. I think that attitude is part of the problem. This attitude that somehow cannabis was a magical commodity, not subject to all of the conditions that are applied in a capitalist economy. These people wanted to keep their same clandestine growing with no regulations, no oversight, no taxing, no paperwork, and keep the drug dealer level profits rather than the price crash to what marijuana should actually cost, but not have to worry about that risk of getting busted by the cops, which is the whole reason why you get that expensive price and you get that, you know, farmer lifestyle with no government oversight. There's no way we could legalize marijuana and not have it become a commodity like all others. 
that big corporations make lots of. They mass produce. So that's just, I mean, it seems to me a bit of magical thinking. Now, it's not to say, it's not to say that there's not room for us to shape how our industry evolves to have it have more inclusiveness, more diversity, uh, to set higher standards. There's, that does not to say that we can't do those kind of things. But to outright think that somehow cannabis was going to be the utopian hippie ideal that, that is free from being sullied by Babylon, I think is a bit naive and utopian. And personally, I welcome the corporate weed. Go ahead, make it. You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. All right, folks, it's 420 here in the Pacific Time Zone. Time for us to take our union-mandated safety briefing. We'll be back with our live call-in number. Our phone is 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's 650-534-2565. We're back after these commercials. Being green is good. Growing green is good. Making green is great. CannabisRadio.com Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. You're not high. You're listening to The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Supreme Court is wrong on the Second Amendment. Okay, maybe you're high, too. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everyone. 23 after the hour. Hope you had yourselves a great safety briefing. 
We're discussing the stoners against legalization and some of their talking points designed to frighten and confuse cannabis consumers into voting against marijuana legalization. It's a hell of a thing. We've been covering it for years. Our phone lines are open at 650-LEGAL-MJ. We're going to go to those phones right now because we got a call from my home state. The area code 208 is on the air. How you doing? Welcome to Toker Talk Radio. I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. So uh, tell us... Yeah, I was going to say, tell us your name and uh, what you're calling about. My name is Ben Fortner. Uh, I'm living in Ontario, Oregon right now. I'm right on the Idaho border, actually. And I'm running for city council. I'm here with Anissa on Nissa, Oregon, city council candidate William Nance. Oh, excellent. Uh, and we are trying to figure out how to get cannabis more legal out here on the side of the state where they're making secret backdoor deals and not a lot of accountability here. We're trying to shed some light around on different issues. And, and tell folks uh, your name and, and, and William's name again so they can get make sure they got that clear. My name is Ben Fortner. I'm running for Ontario City Council. And my friend here is William Nance. He's running for Nyssa City Council, Nyssa, Oregon. Gotcha. Okay. And this is, uh, this is great because I grew up in Nampa, Idaho, which is about 35 miles uh, east of where you guys are at. And we used to, I remember back in the day, we used to drive to Ontario because it was the closest place you could buy a pot pipe. Uh, yeah. Is, is it still, I mean, is Ontario and yes. Nyssa, that eastern Oregon area, basically still got the same yeah. attitude about marijuana? Same attitude about marijuana. And then now Huntington, which is 30 miles down the road from Ontario, for, uh, further from Idaho, they opened up the first legal medical and rec dispensary. Yeah, is that and having an effect on the? Quite well. Is that having an effect on the issue in Ontario and Nyssa? Because I, I I heard there was a Eastern Oregon newspaper expose on Huntington, showing how it was saving the town and rescuing businesses and raising taxes. Is that resonating out there in Ontario and Nyssa? We're hoping so. We're hoping we can use that as a major example and as a talking point for getting some things changed around here. Do you think uh, the people are ready for that change? Yes, I believe the majority of the people are. I think that a lot of people are ready for the old brother secret society hobnobbing things with the secret backdoor uh, meetings with the Idaho police and the Idaho law enforcement and having that be the major influencer for the decision. I think that time is over. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Now, you're you're uh, alleging here that the the Idaho State Police are are, are, are collaborating with your local officials to uh, set policy with the local policymakers yes hmm. all right and this of course you know idaho state police has been complaining that you know since we legalize their uh pot seizures have gone up a thousand percent so what are they trying to convince these eastern oregon towns to maintain bans and to narc out people that might be coming over that's the way i understand the situation yeah wow that's that's pretty amazing all right so you're running for the ontario city council uh who are you running against and how is the campaign going um there's seven of us that are running the campaign's been going really well uh people a lot of the young people that i've spoken with a lot of the people are ready for change around here and uh to get rid of those old ways of the secret meeting yeah. So I felt like it's been I've been really well received. There's two incumbents, uh, Norm Croom and Marty Justice, who are running. And I feel like the incumbents have had a lot of time to 
show where their priorities are and that they haven't been priorities that are in our people's best interest. Now, when you win this seat on the city council, how many city councilors are there? And will you be in a minority? We have any other allies on our marijuana issues? There's six city council members and a mayor who vote uh, on these kind of decisions. I'm not sure whether we have any allies or what the prior situation was, but I'm hoping with some fresh light on some of these really relevant issues, including the money, including patients' needs for access. Yeah. I think we'll be able to turn them around even if we are in a minority. The common sense is it's time for common sense for us. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about that. Hey, uh, could we get a chance to talk to uh, William for a second? Sure. Thank you very much. Here he is. You betcha. Russ. William Nance out there. Uh, uh, Nissa Needs Nance is the campaign. Is that right? That's exactly right. right? Hey, it's good to to talk to you again, man. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, great. I got to see uh, uh, William out there in Nissa my last time back through Idaho and... uh, what a what a great uh, place you got out there in Nyssa, surrounded by the uh, the onion factories and all. It's uh it's quite a quite a sight. Well, it, it is an industrial uh, area, and uh, with uh, of course the industrial zoning, there are uh, certain privileges in Oregon uh, on that. But hey, getting back to it, Nyssa needs man. Um, got a really good campaign going. Uh, there are four city council seats available. Six people running. And it seems I've got the back of the paper and uh, a lot of folks in town are kind of a uh, little bit weary of the same city council that basically been sitting uh, for 16 years. Mm. And so we got a real good chance to uh, at least make one more seat, uh, a voice of yeah. So, so as uh, if you uh, make it to the city council, what are some of the the concrete steps that you'd like to see taken by the city uh, to improve their marijuana policies? Yeah. You know, uh, being a, a single issue candidate, if I was just to run on, let's say, cannabis free, um, I, I'd probably want to. So you've got to have, I've got to have a bunch of different issues. Pretty important. Uh, economy, of course, uh, the city is dying. Uh, the sugar is back to slow down. All the local their storefronts along the main street are all in. And so we've got to get some new businesses. Uh, uh, of course, one of those businesses. I'm sorry, Will, you were kind of breaking up a little bit. Of cannabis uh, <laughs> on that part. Yeah, and then healthy communities. Uh, we've got to stop dividing Oregon in all these different ways. And so anyway, communities, education, uh, uh, communication between the, the city and the citizens in all this language. And that's kind of what I'm hoping to, to bring uh, to the city council. And with that, um, you know, they opted out. And basically, when you have no uh, no control, it's just out of control. And the city basically is a wash in Canada. It's where it should be, where it shouldn't be. What it probably should want it to be, probably what it really shouldn't be. And it's all untaxed, unlicensed, unregulated, nothing coming into the city. So I'm saying, you're not going to increase, you're not going to decrease, give them a license, for goodness sake. So anyway, that's, that's the whole upshot of what's happening in, 
Nissa needs Nance. All right. Nissa needs Nance because Nissa needs economic development and to come up with some sort of control over the marijuana that's already there. I love how these people think we're going to legalize marijuana and suddenly there'll be pot smokers. <laughs> All right. Well, if, if, if you just think about it, if you put no control, then it becomes out of control. Yep. And that's a, a, a gladly the situation. But anyway, thanks a lot, Russ, for the, for the chance to uh, give my little feel and everything. Absolutely. Man, welcome you back anytime to the little garden by the river. I sure want to check out the harvest, that's for sure. And uh, uh, you've got a, a Facebook page or a website for Nissa Needs Nance? I, I certainly do now. And it is William Nance. And uh, I'm the kind of terrorist-looking guy with a little mustache. It's an old <laughs> 1970s passport picture. And uh, on there... There is a uh, Nissa Needs Nance on the page. Check it out. I'll have my full political platform. And uh, I'd like to engage in conversation because, unlike some people, if you can show me where I need to be, man, I, I'm, I'm with you on that part. So look me up. Give me a, give me a chat. doesn't matter if you're in Oregon. Um, I have property on both sides over here. So let's, let's talk. All right, and uh, give us back to Rob. We'll get the uh, contact for his campaign. Uh, super. Oh, oh uh, would you like Ben on now? Yeah. For a second? yeah. Uh, ben, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Ben Fortner for Ontario City Council. Thanks, Rick. Yeah, Ben, I just want to give you the chance also to uh, tell folks if you've got a, a Facebook or a campaign website or anything you want to promote. Yeah, I'm facebook.com slash Ben Fortner City Council. Ben Fortner, City Council. All right. I think we can find that. Thank you so much, Russ. I really appreciate your time today. That was fun. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for calling in, and thank you for running for office. We need more of our people to get out there and take the reins of this government. We appreciate it. Oh, yeah, me too, man. It'll be really good. I appreciate what you're doing very much. All right. Thanks so much, and, uh, and good luck in the election. All right. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Great call there on our phone line at 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's exactly the kind of stuff that I've been looking for here as we uh, continue this Toker Talk radio. You know, when our promos say the voice of the marijuana nation, it really refers to, to this microphone. It refers to this platform. It is our voice. I, I'm the one who's talking on it the most, but it's here for all of us. That's part of why I put this together. I wanted us to have our own talk radio, our own place we can converse and, and learn from each other and and correct and discuss uh, these issues. And uh, I appreciate you guys being a part of it. So we'll keep this going. 650-LEGAL-MJ is the phone line. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to poke some holes in one of the dumbest stoners against legalization talking points that you could possibly imagine. Long story short, if we legalize marijuana, the jails will be full again. Okay. <laughs> I'm Radical Russ, live here in beautiful legal potland, Oregon, on CannabisRadio.com. This is the Russ Belville Show's Toker Talk Radio. We're here every day, every weekday, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say Wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. Hey, this is Tommy Chong. This is Ray Dawn on the other mic. Yes, the eldest. Awesome. And we saw, it was called uh, Dying to Know. It's a love story between Ram Dass and Tim Leary. Yeah, the gay Jew and Tim. <laughs> but he wasn't gay when he was a professor. He didn't know. That must have been a shock to his wife. <laughs> the one time he, like, met a vagina. <laughs> <laughs> the Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Your grapefruits are no match for my Trump Towers. Okay, maybe you're high, too. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Hello, Mr. Man. Hi. I'm doing, I'm, I'm working. I'm sorry. No food till this is done. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Sorry for the delay there. Welcome back, everyone. 38 after the hour. I had to type up a, uh, I had to type up a tweet. Uh, my latest Twitter war, I, I went on a, uh, I spewed out some some tweets last night before I went to bed uh, because I had one of these people, uh, these, these well-meaning, and I, I want to say they're well-meaning cannabis activists, I mean, and some pretty high-profile ones like, you know, Steve D'Angelo, uh, but these well-meaning cannabis activists that want to police our language, that want to come up to you and say, don't say marijuana, that's racist. We say cannabis. Marijuana is a racist slang term. It's evil and offensive. Eh. So I got one of those people hounding me the other day. And that attitude just really bothers me, right? Look, if you personally, if you personally think that marijuana is offensive, it's a bad word, and you prefer not to use it instead of cannabis, and you prefer cannabis instead, great, great. Say cannabis till the cows come home. I don't care. But when you start policing other people's language, 
and telling them what they should or shouldn't say, that bothers me a little bit. And, and what bothers me even more is when people want to try to tell me that marijuana is a term on par with racial and homophobic slurs, epithets, in, in level of offense, that they're equal. The saying marijuana is like saying, well, pick one, right? Pick a, pick a racial slur. Pick a uh, Washington Redskins. Redskins, let's pick that one. It's as offensive as saying Redskins, right? Or whatever. So I, take a, I, I, I actually find that offensive, <laughs> right? I'm not offended by the word marijuana, but the idea that you think saying the word marijuana is the same level of offense as a racial or homophobic slur, I, I think is just, uh, it's a little drama queen for me. It's a little, it's a little too much. Primarily for this very important distinction. Racial and homophobic slurs are attack words meant to demean, demonize, and disparage people for who they are. People for who they are. Marijuana is a term that describes a plant or, or part of a plant. Marijuana cannot be offended. Like, marijuana cannot take offense at what it is being called. It is a plant. So anyway, I, I made a few of these points yesterday on Twitter. And so I got up this morning. Of course, I'm getting all these responses from people. And uh, <laughs> that are basically saying you should call it cannabis. So one of my points here is that marijuana is a perfectly decent term that in and of itself is not offensive. It's a Mexican slang term like, I don't know, taco or chimichanga or whatever. It's just, it's just a word. Okay. Now, the tweet that I got that made me a little bit late here was a guy that said, it was Vapor Domain, at Vapor Domain, who says the word marijuana was introduced in anti-cannabis debates in the 1930s to make it sound foreign. And this is where, this is where the, the people who take offense at marijuana rest their case, is that, that in the 30s, everyone knew what cannabis was, everybody knew what hemp was. But to scare people, they used the, the, the demonization of Mexican immigrants uh, after the, you know, and, and the aftermath of the Mexican uh, Civil War and all, and the Pancho Villa and, and the idea that they're smoking their loco weed and going crazy. So they took all of that and used the marijuana to evoke that, to evoke that fear of the other, that xenophobia, that racism, to make people fear the plant by ascribing all the things they fear about those those darn Mexicans. That to me does not equate to marijuana being a racist term. What it equates to me is a bunch of racists or prohibitionists or control freaks or whatever you want to call Anslinger and his ilk used marijuana, the word marijuana, as a propaganda tactic as a scare tactic. But that doesn't make the word marijuana itself 
connote evil or bad or offense. Now, another uh, response I got to it was uh, a guy who's a military uh, psyops guy who's an expert, he tells me, in this kind of stuff. He says that words matter, and the problem with marijuana is that it evokes and connotes crime and slacker and loser and all, all the bad stereotypes of marijuana users. And to that, I would say... That doesn't exist with marijuana, though. That exists with the stereotype of marijuana users. And similarly, the word gay used to have all sorts of negative connotations. Gay was an offensive thing until the gay community took that word back and refused to accept the stereotypes and shaming that were being attempted to con- be conveyed through the use of the word gay. And I think we've done that with marijuana. Now, this argument about, well, you know, the negative connotations and the cheat and chong and the slacker loser stereotypes, all of those things being associated with the mer- word marijuana as an argument not to use it might have been a more powerful argument in 1980 or even 1990 or for that matter, 2000. But now... With marijuana legalized in four states, about to be legalized in five more, and the last 10 national polls showing greater than 50% support for marijuana legalization, and the last few polls showing people clearly understand that marijuana is safer than alcohol, I think we've gotten marijuana to the point where it has outgrown much of its negative stigma. And in that context, I feel... In the context of in the context of all the change and acceptance that come that has come about in marijuana reform, combined with the fact that in America people know this thing as marijuana. Now, this is I got another response from someone across the pond. So I got some British listeners that said, "Well, you know, it's always been cannabis over here, and it always will be cannabis." Yes, and you guys say aluminium. Things are different in the Queen's English. I understand that. And if this were a talk. In the UK, I would abandon the word marijuana because nobody in the UK knows it by that. Or, I mean, they do, but that's not the way they refer to it. But here in America, that's what we refer to it as, marijuana. That's the popularly understood term. And the Google searches will, will confirm that. You get 10 times the hits for marijuana than you do for cannabis. So when you have a situation where the majority is beginning to accept this and the vast majority knows that it's called marijuana. When you step out as one of these, don't say marijuana, we say cannabis. Marijuana is racist. You accomplish a couple of things. Number one, you get people who know damn well that it's marijuana looking at you going, "Uh uh-huh. What are you trying to hide? What are you ashamed of? What are you fig leafing? You end up sounding like one of those guys who's, I'm not a janitor, I'm a custodial sanitation engineer. It's euphemizing. And, and there's a point with framing where you want to pick your own frames and, and, and convey your messages the right way. But there's also a point where if it's too obvious, it looks like you're trying to be shady. You're trying to hide something. You're trying to confuse or obfuscate the issue. Now, I like the word marijuana. Because there's a little more precision in the word marijuana. 
right? Cannabis is the scientific name of the plant species. Cannabis sativa L. Okay. That refers to all of it, folks. That's the seeds. That's the root ball. That's the stalk. That's the leaves. That's the flowers. All of it is cannabis. And so, yeah, I could say that I smoke cannabis. I could, I could say that. But it would linguistically be a little bit like saying I eat cow and drink ethanol. I mean, those are technically correct. I do eat cow. And I do drink ethanol. But aren't the people around me going to think I'm some sort of snooty, you know, $5 word guy if I, say, if I talk like that rather than saying, hey, I like a steak and a beer? Yes, words matter. And part of why words matter is because they're commonly accepted by the people that use them. I no more smoke cannabis than I eat cow. Marijuana is a perfectly decent term that refers to the dried flowering tops of cannabis plants, usually seedless, prepared for smoking. That's marijuana. So in some cases, it's a more accurate term. And there's nothing wrong with using it. Another case where it's a more accurate term is when you're talking about reforming the laws. Because on the books, the law uses the word marijuana. Now, that's changing in some respects, like in California, where they passed the Medical Marijuana uh, Safety Act or whatever it's called, uh, and they've now changed it to the Medical Cannabis Safety Act. You got the uh, Washington State Liquor and Cannabis Board. That's good because those entities are regulating the entire plant. Cannabis, right? I I just don't – I can't get around – I just – just seems like fig leafing to me. It just activates that little George Carlin circuit in my head. I, I just can't stop thinking about his uh, routine where he talks about how shell shock became post-traumatic stress disorder. It's the same idea. It just feels like fig leafing. There's a lot of opinions on that, but uh, anyway, uh, that's, my, that's from the Twitter thing. Let me get back to the stoners against legalization because I want to make sure I get to this today. Didn't want to forget this because... Um, this was this cracked me up. Uh, you know, you get these uh, you get these memes that come across on your Facebook feed, which is usually someone takes a picture. It's usually a, a pre-made picture, and they the impact font on the top and the bottom, right? So the one that came across my feed the other day is this little kid who's kind of squinting, and the text of it says. More than six plants or 28.6 grams a crime? The jails will be full again with Prop 64. And this is the kind of thinking that dominates the stoners against legalization. That somehow if we legalize X amount, then there'll be more arrests for people caught with X plus one amount. Never mind that the people with the legal amounts who used to get busted won't be getting busted anymore. And never mind that ending the contraband nature of cannabis means no more drug-sniffing dogs for marijuana. And it means a lot of the probable causes that cops have to start investigating you for marijuana goes away. 
In Colorado, four out of five charges disappeared. In Washington, two out of three charges disappeared. All charges for marijuana after legalization. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. Okay, maybe you're high, too. Hey, everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Uh, I have a package here for Radical Rick. Is there a Radical Rick here? How about a Rick Russ? Any any Rick Russ? Somebody named Freddie Barack has sent him a package. Anybody? What is that? Sounds like a stuff. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. It's 54 after the hour, just closing up shop here at the Russ Belleville Show. But reminding you that we got great guests coming up. Tomorrow, we've got our inaugural edition of Cultivator's Corner with Jorge Cervantes, one of the legendary cannabis growers, author of numerous grow books. And we'll have our live phone lines open. So you want to ask a grow question to a bona fide grow expert. Tomorrow is your opportunity on Cultivator's Corner with Jorge Cervantes. And uh, thanks to MarijuanaGrowing.com as well. And we'll be doing that every other Thursday. So it'll either be Jorge one day and then it'll be a cop next week and then Jorge the next day and Leap the next week and so on. 
And also, we've got another guest calling in at 345 tomorrow, Jeffrey Clayton, who is the policy director of the American Bail Coalition. Interesting case going on in the 11th Circuit that is trying to determine whether or not cash bail is constitutional. Uh, And uh, given the recent story we heard of the man who was busted for smoking pot in his own home, and then he got warrants out for him, and then he went to jail, couldn't afford $100 bail, had a seizure in jail, and died. This is a case of big import, and it, it addresses a, a very interesting point, and that is with cash bail, remember, people that are, that are bailing out of jail are still innocent. They're innocent until proven guilty. They've just been charged with something, but they haven't gone to court or anything. And if you can't make bail, you got to stay in that jail until your arraignment, which is could be weeks, and then you lose your job, and all sorts of problems happen. And the system we have now with cash bail means that, hey, if you uh, have some means, if you're middle class or rich, you just make a phone call, get some money, pay a bondsman, you're out of jail. But if you're poor and you can't afford that $100 for the bail, you stay in jail and your life gets progressively worse because you lose your job and all the other attendant problems of being in jail. Well, Jeffrey's going to come on the show. Uh, he's with the American Bail Coalition and he wants to defend cash bail. He's saying that without cash bail, people wouldn't show up to their court dates. So we're going to talk about that. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So that's tomorrow's show. And then, oh my goodness, Friday. What a great show on Friday. We've got our marijuana election night preview. We're going to Try to get Kayvon Kalatbari from Denver Relief Consulting on the line to talk about that uh, Denver social use initiative where they could have not only pot lounges, but pot events and pot yoga and well, basically any place that would want to allow pot. If the neighborhood approves it, you could do it. So we'll cover that on Friday and then at 345 on Friday, we begin our extended interview. We're going to run till 420. With Governor Jesse Ventura, the former governor of Minnesota, the former professional wrestler known as The Body, author, actor, and uh, all-around political talking head, Governor Jesse Ventura on Friday will be talking about his new book, Marijuana Manifesto, and his thoughts as one of the most successful third-party candidates in American history on the chances of the current third-party candidates in the presidential race. But that's all the time we got for today's show. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow with more news, views, and interviews you can use for the cannabis community. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ, live from beautiful legal potland, Oregon. Talk to you tomorrow. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it.